0: Well, hello, everybody. My, again, my name is Brad, if I haven't got to meet you before. And I get the great privilege of just being able to spend some time talking about that question, what does God actually want? Man, it's so fun to sing about a great God and to think of and to celebrate Him. And as we think about our relationship with Him and a God who wants relationship with us, what really does He want in our lives? How does He really want us to act, to live, to think and all of those things? So we've been going through this series and it's been talking about based on a series of teachings about Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. You can find them in a guy named Matthew's account of all this happening. And we've been going through different things, different topics about how God really wants us to live differently. He actually wants us to be different and show love in all these different ways. And so I thought I'd just spend some time at the beginning making us think, what does God really expect from me? And what does it really look like when he says, follow me? Is, is Jesus just something I add on to my life to, as I keep going down a road or just to add him on because he makes me feel better? Is it just something that helps me get through, gets me through the night, gets me through a hard time? I think Jesus wants so much more of us than that. And so throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the discussions we've been having, and I'd encourage you, if you haven't heard the past conversations, to get on the app and go back and listen to them because you'll see all these different areas in life where Jesus would continually pull people out and show people the freedom that they can have in Him and that the way He expects us to live is completely different. And just just to kind of get our minds thinking a little bit, when you think about us as followers and Jesus says, come follow me, what's he really asking us to do? What's he really want? So I want to go look at some of the words he said. So if you look in, um, on this, in the scriptures in Luke chapter nine, I can read these for you real quick. And so Jesus is looking at the crowd. It says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, maybe picture your face in that crowd, you know, really nice. Hopefully you get a good shot. You know, if they're taking a photo, you'd be in it. Okay, if any of you wants to be my follower, he says, you must give up your own way. Give up your own path, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus isn't just asking and just wanting us to be around him so that our lives can be better. He doesn't want to just give us a couple words of wisdom to make our situation go better or so we can feel better about ourselves. He wants it all. He wants everything about us. He says, unless you're willing to give up everything to follow me, then don't do it. That's pretty serious. So here at Grace Church, when we talk about following Jesus, we really think Jesus is so worth it that we're willing to put all of our eggs in that basket and say, Jesus, we'll let you define and direct our lives. And so then you look at how it works with marriage, we talked about how it works in in our, you know, all those situations when it comes to dealing with people and how it is when we relate to our world. Then later, one of his followers named Paul. Paul was the guy who had a radical transformation happen. He was going down an opposite path. And you you can read his story in the Bible in Acts chapter 9. He was going down an opposite path, but God transformed his life. And if you ever think you're too low or too far gone, Paul's life was radically changed. Listen to what he said in the book of Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, But Christ lives in me. So I live in his earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. No longer I live. No longer is it about Brad's ideas, Brad's hopes and dreams. Because I found out there's something better. And what is Jesus, the creator, the one we just sang about so wonderfully, the one who made all things, what does he want from me? So God, I don't, I'm not, not about living for my own way, but I want your way to go. The reason why I wanted us to talk about this right here is because tonight we're going to talk about something that's going to hit some of us very personally. And I mean, I'm telling you, and I'm, it might feel like I'm trying to meddle into your life. But I think it's something that a majority of us in here would struggle with. And it comes down to this question, you know, as we think about these things, it's going to talk about how we interact with people even when they're not nice to us. But what I want to encourage you, when you think about your walk with Jesus, this is what really you're signing up for. When we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything. Jesus wants to change it all, all of it. So here's the question I want you to ask tonight. How do you respond when you are mistreated by others? Not like, and what I mean by this is not something when someone commits a criminal offense to you, that, that's what you call the police for. Or not someone, a person does something harm, harmful to you in our, in our world. There's, there's systems, and I know some of them are broken, but there's systems out there that can help with those things. And if those don't work, there's a God who will get his revenge, he says. And trusting God with those things. But I'm talking about when they mistreat you personally. I, I love going to Disney World. I really do. Any of them. I'll go to any of the parks. I, I had the privilege last year I went to Disneyland too. I just love it all. I love the magic of it. I love the wonder and all that stuff. I'm like a little little big kid, if you will or big little, whatever it is, that's what I am, okay? And um, so one time we were there with my family and I've got a great family. I've got kids that are 22 to the way down to 10, all boys, and there's me and my wife and we're, you know, we've tried every which way, tried every plan to get, make sure we got on the ride we wanted to ride on or waiting to, you know. All of us that are, have any kind of personality when you're a parking at you're trying to think, how can I get through the sh- with the shortest amount of lines? You know, no one wants to stand in the line for 180 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It's a long day. Oh, yeah. So we're down there. And you, so, so picture this: this scenario with you. You're waiting at Disneyland. You're there. It's you're muggy, you're hot, and all this stuff. And you're standing there in line, and you've been waiting for about an hour. And you're waiting in line. It's like, man, we're almost there. It's only like three days left of line. That's all. You know, we're finally almost there. And then you're standing there, and you know, all the water bottles are empty. They drank all the water, all the games on your phone that you try to keep the family engaged with. They're, you know, you've exhausted them all. All of the jokes, all of the stories, all of the I Spy games. Everything's done and everyone's just tired of standing in line. But you see the end is in sight and it's going to be worth it. That 30-second ride is going to be awesome. (laughs) Instead they're standing and then it happens. You know what I'm talking about. There are a couple of people, they start, you, see, you start seeing them angling towards the front of the line. They haven't been waiting in line. Wait a second. They were just eating ice cream, it looks like. And they're walking towards the front of the line. You're hoping one of those magical employees is gonna swoop down and exact vengeance on them because they cut right in front of like 100 people. And you're some of those people. You know, and they hop in there and you're like, they're, that's not fair. They're skipping line. You know, unless maybe some of you are a lot more mature than me. You're like, maybe some of you are like, look at them. They're probably very important people. They've probably had a really hard day. You know, and though I've been sitting here sweltering in this heat, i paid a lot of money to stand around all day. Um, it's been great. I'm, I'm glad that they get ahead of me. Most of us are like, no, I hope someone, someone needs to stop them. That's not right. You know, someone needs to grab them. And maybe even in your boldness, because your child has been just really after you, and you're like, hey, buddy, the line's back here. You know what I mean? That's being mistreated, right? How do you feel when people respond to you that way? Or maybe when you're driving in the car and you have the person behind you, this person, you know them, I think they drive with their hand on the horn. You know what I'm talking about? Um, You know, and you're sitting there at the traffic light and you're just sitting there waiting for it to turn green and it turns green and you're just like, okay, I'm gonna go now. And you don't even have time to remove your foot off the brake and they're already blowing the horn at you because you're too slow. Do you ever have that experience? I know I have. So if you're like me, you just sit there then, right? <laughs> well, fine, you blow the horn all you want now, go ahead. What are you gonna do to me? No, or you I'll go real slow. Or when they drive by you and they pass you, speed around you, you give them a dirty look because I don't care. You can tell me I'm number one with that finger all you want, but I'm not moving. Whatever it is, you know, we get angry. We get there's just something in us that wants vengeance, wants justice. You know, I think it's kind of how we are as people. You know, I remember one situation. So I live in I live in the city here in Akron, and um, you know we have these things called in Akron we call them a devil strip. You know, it's like the, the tree lawn or whatever it's called. It's a lot, that piece of grass between a sidewalk and the road. And so I I'm not I'll be honest with you. I mean, I might look like the guy who has it all together, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't like taking care of lawns. I hate cutting grass. One of the things I I loved about my house is it had a very small yard. You know, and the other thing, the Lord has blessed me with four boys. So I should never have to cut grass ever again. And they all cut the grass. That's their job. And that's what they do. And they've been doing it for years. My my oldest son's like, dad, I've been doing it since I've been 12. I'm like, great. When you move out, you won't have to. So (laughs) there's your choice. Anyway, um, so we're there and and there was a situation. I was kind of having a tough spot in my life. My mom was sick. She would eventually pass away. But my mom was battling cancer. So some of you know what I'm talking about. You felt that grief on you before when there's just a situation in your life you can't control. You just wish it would end and you just have no control over it. And it's just on you all the time. It in fact impacts every relationship you have. It affects how you work. It's just, it's just on your shoulders all the time. And I was in one of those situations thinking about my mom. And so... I have this nice tree out there on our devil strip, but there's like a bush that was kind of growing around the bottom of it. And it just kept growing. And every year I would just trim it down because you don't want it to be overgrown. But this year, just with everything going on, I'm like, I decided I wasn't going to cut it. I just wasn't going to get to it. I don't even care about that, how little that means to me. So, but then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It got so big that when I went to pull out on, I went to turn left on Dealey Avenue, I'm like, I can't even see down the road. This is really dangerous. And I would still go anyway. And I left to be like that for a while. Not very nice, not a good neighbor. Well, then finally, I have it in my mind. I got some free time. I go cut it down. It's not the tree, but just like the bush around. So I'm out there trimming. And you guys know when you're doing something you don't really want to do, you're kind of working hard and going faster than you need to. And you're starting to sweat and you're just, oh. And I finally get done. As soon as I get done, a lady pulls up and she goes, hey, I'm like, oh, a neighbor wants to be neighborly. I like neighbors because I, I, I'm the kind of guy that when i run on the sidewalk, I'm like, hi, hi. You know, I'm always smiling and saying hi to people. And I'm like, this person wants to talk to me. This might be a chance for me to connect with my neighbors because they're always like locked in her house all the time. When, and I, she, goes, she goes, hey. And I said, hey. And she goes, it's about time. <laughs> I'm like, she goes, you know, that tree, And she just started going in on me like really mean. I mean, she was yelling at me. I'm like. It was so hard. I didn't know what to say. You know, it was so mean. I just wanted to say like, I'm going to look, let me go see what your house looks like. Your car's looking rough. And I mean, but by that time I thought about what to say, she was three blocks down the road. You know, I had the perfect comebacks three minutes late. But I was so aggravated. She didn't know what was going on in my life. She didn't know the pain that I was dealing with. And I just didn't care about this bush. But I just let that thing just grow. And yet she yelled at me and she yelled at me. So how I felt mistreated and I felt yelled at and I did not feel good. But how do we re- respond when people mistreat us? What well, I want you to think about is, was the last, think about the last person that really hurt you. Now, I'm not talking about something criminal. I'm not talking something that our justice system can deal with. I'm not talking about even like an abuse situation or something like that. I'm, I'm talking about the, th- the things in life where people come at you with the insults or maybe they yell at you. Maybe they cut in front of you in line or maybe do something a little bit more severe than that, how do you respond? And does it really matter? Because remember, we said when we, we commit, to, commit to following Jesus, it changes everything. Does it even change how we treat people um, when they're hard on us? Well, we're gonna find out a little bit today. So if, in our Bible, we're gonna jump into Matthew chapter five. You can spend some time here. Again, this is part of the, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is given a series of teaching to his followers and he's laying them out. What he's really teaching them is how to live differently. Because they'd always, these people had followed religious rituals and stuff. And Jesus like, listen, listen, there's a different way. There's a way of the kingdom that I'm going to show you. And it's going to radically transform your life. And I want you to be radically different. And so here's what he says. He says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so what he's talking about here is he's talking about the law that was in the justice system. You know, it started, you know, probably the oldest law known to mankind that was how the courts were set up. It it was a law that would prohibit from people, it would kind of limit the amount of um, pain you could inflict on somebody on a big sense. You know, like if someone, you know, if someone slapped you, you couldn't go murder them. You know, it was an eye for an eye. And so that's the way the justice system set up. So they would deal with it. It was more like if someone stole your cat, you didn't have the right then to go get their cat and their dog. You know, you didn't have a right to escalate it. This is talking about, again, the government. This isn't talking about your personal life. But what happened was people started taking it and making it personal. Instead of bringing in the justice system, bringing in the police or whatever, or whatever happened back in the day, they started just taking out their own justice. Oh, so you're going to take my thing out of my yard? Well, I'm going to come take two of the things out of your yard. You're going to hit me. You're going to punch me. I'm going to punch you twice. I'm going to come back at you harder. That's usually how most of us respond, right? Um, Anybody in here ever do a prank before or be pranked before? Man, I'll tell you what, man. You guys haven't lived, I guess. All right. Pranks happen. And the way I grew up, people loved to pick on me. And they love to pull pranks on me. And people have pulled some good ones on me. But I hate pranks. I have like, in any ministry I work with, I have like zero tolerance towards pranks. I'm like, we do not prank. If there's teenagers pranking, we're ending that. We're squashing that. Because someone always ends up being hurt. But here's another reason. Because they will always escalate. Right? Because seriously, you know, I mean, most of us were afraid to raise our hands or we did this one. I wasn't asking you to do worship music. I was just asking you if you raised your hand, you know, but you sat back here like this. Well, here's what most of us, if you've been pranked before, your first thought was not be like, oh, that was nice. I'm going to do the same thing back to them. No, you're thinking they messed up the wrong person. They pranked me. I'm going to show you how to pull a prank. They'll never do it to me again. And so you go back at them harder, right? Pranks always escalate. And that's what people were doing here. They were escalating it. Instead of just going back and just say, letting the courts deal with it, they're bringing it into their personal life. And instead of responding in a way that, you know, in, in neighborly ways, they started taking an exacting revenge on their own. So what Jesus looks at, he says, you've heard this before. This law has been around. It's the oldest law in society. He said, but I say to this, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek... Offer the other cheek also. Oh, don't worry, you will get more personal than this. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. I want to go back to this one phrase there in the beginning, it said, but I say, do not resist the evil person. So do you think Jesus means in these, in these verses, Man, when someone hits you, just take it. Just be the doormat. We as Christians should just be continual doormats and just let people take advantage of us and walk all over us. What do you think, he, and just think in your own mind, what does he mean by don't resist the evil one? Well, hopefully we're going to spend some time thinking through this today and look at four illustrations that Jesus gave for help us to see what he really means. Because I don't really think he means we just sit there and internalize it and just take it in. I think he has a better response than that. In fact, I don't think he really wants us to be passive at all. And so we're gonna talk here in a second, but before we do that, I wanna remind us, go back to this. When we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything. It changes how we view our character and our reputation. So in the story that uh, Jesus used in here, these things are very cultural, things that might not make sense to our culture, but I think there's things in there that we can pull out of them. Um, We've all, even if you didn't grow up in church, you might have heard, turn the other cheek. Well, that comes from this passage of scripture. And Jesus said, if someone were to slap you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jesus gives us some details in there that helps us see there's some things in the culture. Because in the culture at the time, this really wasn't talking about someone hitting you in the face. That's not what Jesus is just talking about. It really wasn't about someone slapping Because if you're going to slap someone on the right cheek, that means you're a right-handed person, hitting them with the back of your hand. If you ever punch somebody, that's probably not the best way to do it. Well, of my you know, experience in the boxing world that I have is, I'm just kidding, I've never really hit too many things. Okay, um, in, but on video games, you know, never mind. All right, so what he's saying here is back in their culture, what they would do when they would hit someone on the right cheek, it was a way of showing an insult, saying, you, I view you as worthless, you are unworthy. I, it's like, I just basically like spit on them. So you're like smack them in with the back of their hand, with the back of your hand across their right cheek. And Jesus is saying, listen, when someone comes at you and they insult you and they tell you who you are, and they throw these insults at you and they tell you you're worthless in those things, give them the other cheek as well. He says, say retaliate, hit them back or insult them back. You know, when that person blows you up on social media or that lady, when she yells at you in your neighborhood, she doesn't say, well, you just come back with some better comebacks and come back harder so that you'll stop. No, she says, and he doesn't, also doesn't tell you, just sit there. Instead, what he did is he to, tells the person, he says, I want you to respond with love. Say, listen, I know you're insulting me, but I'm going to value you enough that I'm going to stay here and stay in this business with you because I see you as someone who's loved by God, even though you're mistreating me and though you're insulting me, I'm gonna love you enough to stay here and try to get connected with you and try to get through this with you. That's a hard teaching. I mean, does Jesus really want me to when people mistreat me, to be loving to them? What What our society will tell us, our society sometimes will tell us like, You know, they won't tell us to hit back either. What they might tell us to do is just take it. Take it like a man. Be better, not bitter. Just stand strong. You know, show them. Don't let them see you sweat. Sticks and stones, they might break your bones, but those words, they can't hurt you And you just stand there. Be Teflon, let it roll right off of you, right? Don't let it stick to you. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. But I think what Jesus wants us to do, because when we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything. It changes how we see people, that even the people that would do something hurtful and say mean things to us, like baldy, I mean, things that maybe people have said to me, you know, whatever it is, the things that they might say to us, but to look at them and value them enough to say, how can I show love and care to this person? You might say to yourself, well, I don't know how to do it. How do I do? Well, that's the beauty of following Jesus. He gives us the strength and he leads us and lets us know what to do. But how do we respond with love? Next one, our possessions. Here in this story, they're talking about this lawsuit thing that would happen. You could take someone to court if they wronged you. You could take them to court. And if, and if you won, you get their shirt. Well, that was a high-pitched squill. You get their shirt, right? And Jesus is saying, listen, if they, if they have the right to your shirt, don't just give them their, your shirt. Go the extra. Give them your coat as well. And I think what Jesus is saying with our possessions, valuing people so much over the things that we have, that even when someone says, you know, they want to take advantage of us, or even rightly so, they, um, um, they have some, we have something that, that is theirs now, and they can take it from us. Jesus is saying, don't get bitter at them. Don't get angry with them. Don't turn your back on them. Don't just walk away, gossip about them. Don't just turn your back and just let that relationship further devolve. What I would encourage you is go the extra. Give them your coat too. Because in doing that, maybe you can start building that relationship up again to where they can see that even though they insulted you or now even that they took more from you, you're even the shirt off your back, that you still love them and see them as having worth. Like I said, this is going to get real personal because this is really hard. But here's what I encourage you to do because I know if you're like me when I read this and even when, when I was working through this, a lot of yeah buts came up in my mind personal situations again i'm not talking about if someone commits a crime to you call the police use this try the justice system if it doesn't work then leave it in the hands of god and let him handle it but what i'm talking about is when a person does things to us on a personal level they do, maybe they're great with our possessions or they or they take extra and they need more give it to them are your possessions worth more than their heart instead of holding on to those things, and letting those things own you, you open your hand and say, God, this is yours anyway. What can I do? To, how can I use it to serve other people? Again, this, I think this is a hard thing. Does Jesus really want me to resist even when someone takes, a, takes even the shirt off of my back? Look at the next one, our rights. This one here I'm telling you is gonna be really personal. We love our rights and we believe we have rights. But remember when we said at the beginning, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm part of a different kingdom and now my rights are even changed. And when Jesus is gonna push in on here, it's gonna be really hard for some of us to hear. So imagine if you were part of a culture, the Jewish people at the time and the Romans were there. This Roman army has moved in. They took your land, the land that was your forefathers. They took it right out from under you. And not only is that enough oppression, they thought, you know what, now that we got this property, now how can we start taxing these people even more? And so they built these tax systems that really took advantage of people, where they started getting charging people excess because they could you know, Romans would tell people, hey, you could tax this much, but whatever you want to tax them on top of that, that's all your money. And so they took advantage of your money. Imagine how dehumanizing that would feel. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been in situations like this where you've been, in a, been oppressed by an oppressor. And they take advantage of you to make you feel small. They humiliate you. You feel so low already. Like you feel like they see me as not even being human. And then to make it worse, you could be an innocent bystander just standing there at the market and a soldier could walk by and he could look at you and say, hey, you carry my gear. And you had to do it for one mile. These people have already made you feel small, have already beat you down. Jesus like, now they get to take you, tell you to make you carry your gear. And where their gear probably wasn't just a sleeping bag. It might have been a weapon that they might use even to hurt some of your people. And Jesus looks at them and says, listen, you've heard it said to take it one mile. He said, I tell you, Take it two miles. Jesus didn't say retaliate because there was a lot of zealots in the time. And what they would do is they'd think, okay, we're tired of this. So they would pull out their daggers and they would not see those soldiers as people. They would see them as their enemies. And I'm not, and this isn't, we're not talking about war or things like that. There's a whole other stuff we could talk about with that. But I'm talking in their personal lives. And what they would do is they would stab, they would stab these soldiers or try to get retaliate with them. She's like, don't retaliate when someone tells you to carry it a mile. Jesus also didn't just say, just suck it up. Just suck it up and carry their gear for one mile and don't let them see that they're getting to you. You're stronger than them. You know you have value. You know you have worth. You be strong. You don't say anything. and You just keep your eyes focused and you do it. Jesus didn't even tell them to be passive. Be pacifist and just take it. Take it like a man. Jesus said, no, I want you to respond with love. I want you to go the extra mile. Show that person that even though they are your oppressor, that somehow they even have worth enough that I'm willing to go the extra mile for them. Man, that's a hard teaching. Because that's not how I feel at all. I wanna, I wanna fight someone when they call me a name. I, mean, I might wrestle with my boys on the floor, one of them hits me in the nose, I wanna go to blows with my son. I'm like, "Well, what am I doing here? That's the kind of person I am. Or when people say things, and when and again, this isn't talking about what people do to other people, but talking about you personally. So Jesus keeps going. But even our rights. The reason why I started at the beginning by telling us about what, what, when you commit to following Jesus, it's no longer going along your own way. It's easy to say committing to Jesus changes everything when it means, hey, I'll give you some money, Jesus. I'll give you some time. I'll go to your church service. I'll go serve you, do big things for you, God. But man, when the little things like this or the day-to-day stuff come at you, does Jesus really expect me to live like this? And then in our excess, a lot of times in our culture, we feel good when we have extra. You know, a lot of times some some of us have a lot of privilege, a lot of extra stuff. And then you see people that will just start begging for it. I remember one time I came out of a baseball game. This is not a very, um, not a very thing I'm very proud of. Um, but hey, you got to be honest with who you are, right? I walked out of a baseball game and there was a, a, there was a gentleman there and I saw him with, a, with a, like a container for money. And, he, and I know he was going to ask me for money. And I didn't want to give him money. You know, I don't even know if I had any change anyway. But I just didn't want to deal with it. So instead of trying to figure out the hard thing and trying to figure out even how to deal with this situation, do you know what I did? I ignored him. I turned my head away and just kept walking on by. I told this person with my actions that they're not even worth my look, my gaze. I've myself as, I I mean, I have extra. And I'm not saying give a person money because I'm not sure that's a a good decision either. But I could at least give them the value and worth enough to recognize them, to see them as a human. But instead, I just walked right on by and just ignored them. And not because it was easier. Because I don't want to deal with all that. I don't know what the solutions are when someone doesn't have something when they're asking me for money. But I do know that I have stuff. I do know that the Lord has given me a home, that the Lord has given me things. Is there ways that I can use the excess that I have to help you? Jesus said when people come back, He said, give to them. Help them. Help them some way. Maybe I can connect them with resources. We live in a community that has tons of resources. We as a church have tons of resources, help, education, training. We can help people. But sometimes myself, the way I handle things is it's best to just ignore the problem. And I think Jesus instead doesn't want us to ignore it. He just doesn't want us to walk by. He doesn't want to yell at them, why don't you get a job? Instead, he wants us to respond with love. There's three situations at the beginning Are times where you're the one who's being oppressed or you're the one who's being wronged. The last one is the one where someone, you're you're in the position of power. But in all these situations, I want us to remind or want to remind ourselves that when we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything. We don't have the ability to just pick and choose what parts about following Jesus we want to do. And you have to ask yourself, is this really worth it? If you're not yet a Christ follower, you might be asking yourself, say, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. Or if you're a Christ follower and you said, you know what, I just kind of look at Jesus as just some this is something to make me feel better. I don't like really trust in Him for what I want. When we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything, not just about us, but how we treat other people. When we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything because we trust that he knows better than we do. Because here's the thing Jesus knows about us, that when we respond to people with love, it actually gives us freedom. It actually helps us. Because what it does is it starts giving us the freedom to understand how he wants to live and how he calls us to live. Do I trust that Jesus knows better than me? Next week we'll talk about loving our enemies. And that's really going to be a hard one. But do I trust that Jesus, when he tells me to turn the other cheek when it comes to the insults, to not let people's words ruin a relationship, but instead respond with love and trying to get that relationship back going? Or that when people are dealing with my possessions or people are dealing with my exes or or even affecting my rights, do I really trust that God has a plan? Do I really trust that he cares for me? That's a big question to ask ourselves. And he says this. When we commit to following Jesus, it changes everything because we reflect his heart to love everyone, even the ones who do evil to us. When Jesus says, love me above all else, and he says in the second commandment, is just, just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's really too easy to love our neighbors who are good to us. But unfortunately, Jesus doesn't want us to be like everybody else, where you only love people who are nice, where you only love people you agree with. We only love people you understand. Instead, he wants us to love even those who mistreat us. Am I really expected to live like this? Is it really worth it? I wanna spend some time in these closing moments here, looking for the words that um, one of Jesus' followers, Peter said, this guy, Peter, he saw Jesus and he saw Jesus being arrested and he took vengeance into his own hands. And cut off a guy's ear. That's the same Peter we're talking about. And Jesus rebuked him and said, stop it. What are you doing? Get out of my way. Okay, anyway, we'll go. Look at what it says in First Peter. And I want you to make this as personal as possible, especially if you're a Christ follower today. Think about this. You're in this story. He says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Think about the insults hurled at Jesus while he was on that cross. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Think about the creator of the universe. The Bible says all things were made through him and by him, Jesus. Watching the person who he knew before he was crafted in his mother's womb, seeing that person with their mouth that you created hurling insults at you, or the hands which you formed and the muscle that you gave that person and watching them use those hands to put you upon a tree. But Jesus was laser focused in his plan because he knew that there was something bigger that he was part of. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He trusted that there's something bigger. He personally carried our sins. So, what I I like to do in scripture when I see the words are, I put my own name in there. He personally carried Brad's sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, by whose wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. You went down your own path, you did your own thing, you rebelled against God, but now you have turned to your shepherd. The guardian of your souls. Does Jesus really want me, expect me to live like this? Well, that's what he calls us to do. And why would we ever do that? Because God saw us in our most desperate of situations. He saw us on a path that we thought was freedom, but was a path that always left us enslaved to sin. He saw us on a path to destruction and he stepped out of heaven and stooped down into our world and was born in a humble way, lived on the earth for 30 years, living and experiencing what it was all like to be human and then started a ministry where he would heal people. He opened the eyes of the blind cleansed the, leopard, the leper spots, not the leopard, they still have spots, but the leper, he cleansed their spots. He brought back people from, the, from dead. He walked on water, he did beautiful things. And in those three years, he built a following. All the time knowing that his path led to this, the shepherd who would die so that we might live. Are you willing and is it worth it for you? To live how he calls us to live. But I want to tell you today if you ever feel like it's hopeless, there's a God out there who loves you so deeply. He's been insulted, he suffered without retaliation so that he could die for me and for you. And so when he sees us, people mistreat us, he doesn't like that either because people are mistreating one of his kids. But He has a high standard for us because He knows that when we commit to following Him, it changes everything. Because in Him, we have freedom and we have the strength then through Him to respond with love. So here's just four quick things. I like to go by the keep it simple stallion model. No, it's, you know, keep it simple stallion because stallions run fast and I want to run fun, fast after Jesus. You thought I was going to say another word, didn't you? Okay, so here's the, how do we respond with love? First one, here's, I'm just, be, I'm a simple person. Be graceful. Grace is giving something to somebody they don't deserve. When a person comes at you with insult, give them back kindness. Give them back the, the value to see them. Give them love. Show grace, even though they don't deserve it. Because Jesus did that for us. Next one, be generous. Don't hold on to your so tight, so, um, stuff so tight that you won't let people borrow things. And, oh, but it's my brand new car. It's just a thing. Oh, but Brad, you don't understand how nice my car is. Well, but if it's too nice to let people borrow, maybe get into a different car, I don't know. But be generous. If you have something extra, be kind. So simple. We see it on shirts all the time. But we as Christians we see it's part of the fruit of the spirit and then be helpful. Because when we look to the eyes of Jesus and we see the way that he focused his life on dying on that cross so that we might live, he did not respond to insults, did not retaliate to suffering, but instead followed and trusted the plan enough to where it carried on so he had a redemption for our souls. When we live and focus our hearts on him, trusting that the God who made heaven and earth knows what he's talking about, man, the freedom we find in that. And then we ask ourselves the question, what? Does God actually want from me? In all situations, he wants us to respond with love. So whatever God's doing in your heart right now, we're gonna spend some time here. I'm gonna pray in a second, the band's gonna come out and then we'll spend some time through music. I just encourage you to work that all through. Maybe put the yeah, but to the side for a second. And I know there's situations that, um, you know, this is being very simplistic. We can't get into everybody's personal situations. If there's situations you don't know how to handle, reach out, talk to somebody who you respect and who you know loves Jesus. Reach out to any of us because there's all kinds of situations where it's like sometimes the best thing to do the way you show love to people doesn't look like love sometimes. There's all those things. But what I encourage you instead right now to focus on your heart on Jesus and say, Jesus, do you really want me to live like this? And if you, the answer is yes, then plead for him to him for the strength and the teaching to do it. Would you pray? Dear God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word dives into the most personal parts of our lives. Lord, you know how many times I continually fail you. Man, the amount of love you show me Even though when I choose my own way and I basically turn my back on you, Lord, you still allow me to come back and you respond with love every time. Lord, I pray that you'll change my heart. Pray for my friends who are here that you'd work in all of our hearts today. If there are folks here, Lord, who are not yet followers of yours and who are considering, is it worth it? Lord, I pray that your love would just be poured out into their heart right now. And Lord, for those of us who are committed to following you, Lord, I pray that we don't cheapen you down to just being an add-on to our life, Lord. But we serve you as king. Because Lord, you are a great God and you are a great king. In your name we pray, amen.